most successful analytics organizations aren't necessarily the ones that have the most people or are doing the most advanced or the coolest things, but they're the organizations whose analytics departments are best aligned and understood by their stakeholders. Sergio Santamaria, welcome to Winning with Data. Thanks for having me. Awesome to have you here. You have taken a really cool journey throughout your career. You've worked with a few friends of mine, and now you are in a senior role um, at a key partner of Gemini. So I'm excited to dive into that. But let's actually start with hearing about just what have you seen in terms of how teams relate to data, think of data, and work with data across your career with, with multiple data vendors, but also with multiple professional setups? Yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting question because my first sports team role was actually on the scouting side, dealing entirely with qualitative data. I was a scouting intern for the Rockets while I was uh, still an undergrad. And I think it kind of comes full circle because to me, what has become really interesting over the last seven, eight years in the sports industry is how that qualitative data is starting to be tracked and analyzed and managed a little bit more consistently, thoroughly, and and accurately. At times, it was pretty straightforward and pretty low-hanging fruit for sports executives to kind of dismiss qualitative data as anything that could be truly analyzed and aggregated uh, consistently enough. But it's been awesome to see a little bit of a an embracing of the challenge in the industry to to tackle qualitative data and actually analyze it alongside the raw numbers and alongside the quantitative side of things into these sort of mixed data source models, if you will. And honestly, it kind of comes full circle because that's a lot of what we do at Sports Info Solutions is, is embrace that challenge of taking something that can feel a little more qualitative and a little bit more subjective and try to turn it into a consistent enough and aggregatable enough data set to be useful and viable. So it's been really interesting to see the industry evolve a little bit in that way. You raised a pretty interesting point around, um, it's a fairly classic phrase that 80% of data science is data engineering, and then the, the rest is the fancy modeling. Some would even say 95% is getting that data in the right format to derive useful insights and make decisions off of. One thing that we have in common is that we are trying to bring, uh, to abuse a metaphor, the water to the horse in terms of really making this data much more usable. How have you seen the way that, you know, oftentimes executives Let's be honest, they don't appreciate the, the work that goes into that. They just expect it to be in that kind of shape. How have you seen perceptions around different data sets as more and more become available to teams shift over your career? Yeah, no, that's a fantastic question. I think a really, really important piece of illustrating how valuable that data engineering is, is having someone that can truly sort of bridge the gap between the less technical stakeholder or executive and all of that 
sort of initial legwork that needs to be done to make those data sets clean and user-friendly and, and viable in the first place. Uh, I remember my time in Phoenix uh, was largely characterized by trying to communicate those those behind-the-scenes steps that needed to be taken uh, in order to lay the foundation for a successful analytics department. And it has become our obsession at Sports Info Solutions to create clean and consistent data, deliver it cleanly, knowing that there are elements that are going to feel subjective and qualitative and a little bit difficult to wrap a head around for a non-technical stakeholder. But the more someone like myself has talked with coaches and scouts and and those non-technical stakeholders throughout my career, the more I understand and appreciate the value of being able to do that initial legwork, lay the foundation, and truly present it in a way that eases those concerns and eases those natural skepticisms that are going to come from those people. So it's so, so valuable to me to present it cleanly, have it in a very usable and extractable and aggregatable format. We are hopefully moving away from where there are data people and there are non-data people. It's one thing that I admire about your career and the common missions of SIS and GSA is hoping to blend that a little bit and hoping to, to lower the barrier of entry. I'm seeing more and more sporting organizations have these intermediaries that might not be hardcore computer scientists or machine learning people. They're embedded in a coaching staff or in a scouting staff, and they they can talk the talk with that group. What is your personal philosophy on how this can or should shift and how can data science and applied analytics more approachable to all stakeholders? So my personal career and, and path has been really shaped by those early experiences being able to work not on the quantitative side of things. I mean, while I was building up my technical skill set in the classroom uh, as an undergrad, I was being a non-technical employee within a sports organization at the Rockets at the time. And I think that laid a foundation that I'm extremely, extremely thankful for of basically understanding the way that the non-technical, more kind of traditional way of evaluating sports was done and is done. But in the classroom, over time, I developed technical skills. I wanted to get more specifically on the quote-unquote analytic side of things and definitely did reach a point where I was, you know, referred to almost exclusively as the quote-unquote analytics guy and the data guy and the data person or whatever. And I don't dismiss that. I don't think that's not valuable. But especially in my time in Detroit, the most recent sports organization or sports team that I worked for, I remember thinking all the time how valuable it would be for just about everybody in a sports organization to have a foundation of technical ability. And whether that's through you know, continuous professional learning or five hours, six hours a year, at least of kind of coursework or independent learning of Excel formulas or introduction to programming languages or 
understanding of new statistics and their formulas that people may have otherwise been unfamiliar with. I was the biggest proponent at the time and still am of trying to get everyone within a sports organization to some level of data literacy because I just saw so many inefficiencies and potential efficiencies from having those that could maybe take the baton and do a little bit more with it rather than relying on the data people or the analytics people to carry out tasks that take away from being able to really, really innovate and push the ball forward technically. What has been the biggest difference for you in your career between working in sport and working on sports? That's a great question. One that I've thought about a lot. You know, I worked for NBA teams for a total of seven seasons at the end of the day. And that is 100% working in the sport. Now I work for Sports Info Solutions, where we work with 40 plus clients across MLB, NFL, NBA. So we we do see what it's like behind the curtain and understand what it's like behind the curtain. Uh, but at the same time, have a little bit more time on our hands to work, quote unquote, on sports. I mean, it's the beauty of working for a sports team. It's the practicality of the day-to-day drinking from a fire hose feeling of this needs to get done. We have this game coming up. Our ownership group or our executive group has this specific need. And these are the people that we have in-house that are the sort of default workforce to tackle this very unique and one-off ad hoc project, those you don't find as often, if at all, when working on sport, when working for a third-party entity like Sports Info Solutions, or the extreme would be kind of a more academic, very unique, very innovative, cutting-edge researcher outside of sports. I will say there are some sports organizations that are resourced enough and have a large enough technical staff to have dedicated some people to do more of the quote-unquote working on sports kinds of things. It's really just a personal preferences thing and something that I think anyone looking to work somewhere in or around the sports industry has to ask themselves is, how much am I going to value the trade-off between advanced, innovative, cutting-edge research around sports analytics versus more practical, simpler, but unique stakeholder-driven tasks that really help a team or help a player or help a coach. Because those two things are very, very different. And Again, it's a question that someone needs to really understand about themselves and their priorities when considering working in sports or around sports. Yeah, like you, I've gotten to wear team logos on my polos and and vendor logos. And I think you nailed it, explaining the difference that domain advancement versus the, the thrill of being a part of a team. Each offer different things, probably ideal for different parts of one's career. There's equally exciting things about each. What are the common threads of success that you've seen in mature organizations, right? You've worked for a few, you work with 40 now, you know, I'm fascinated in reputation in this space that people can say, oh, that's a very advanced 
organization for analytics. And I wonder, what does that mean? Does it mean that the, the people making the most important decisions listen to the most technical people? Does it mean that they're very talented technical people? Does it mean that they have a good system? But what have you seen as, as markers of success? Sure. I think the answer could potentially be analyzed from a analytics first angle, but I think it honestly becomes the same answer, whether you want to talk about why an organization is successful from an analytics perspective or from a scouting perspective or a performance perspective. I really think the alignment and consistency from leadership and the true adoption of principles within a field, whether that's analytics or scouting or performance or really just culture become extremely, extremely important. And I think to give maybe more tangible examples and and words around it, you know, organizations that have very, very defined and consistent principles around what they do. I mean, in the NBA, the Miami Heat are a vastly, vastly, vastly different organization than the Golden State Warriors, for example, but both have really refined and been consistent with their identities as organizations and as front offices all the way down through the coaching staff, all the way down through the performance staff. And I think it's the same to kind of tie it back to analytics. The most successful analytics organizations aren't necessarily the ones that have the most people or are doing the most advanced or the coolest things, but they're the organizations whose analytics departments are best aligned and understood by their stakeholders. And this goes back to that in sports versus on sports conversation, but I would much rather be doing two plus two and have my GM or my executive really, really believe in it versus a multi-layered neural network, unsupervised classifier that nobody in my organization understands. So to me, it's really about that executive adoption, alignment, consistency, and whether we can ask everyone in a department or in an organization for their perspective on the identity of that department in that organization and have everyone saying the same thing. I love that way of looking at it. You mentioned something earlier about ad hoc requests, and I think many sporting organizations, the staff would admit that much of their work is focused on that. And long and medium term sustainability of systems is one of the hardest things to tackle. Now that you've been at SIS for a little while, how are you seeing your business tackle product as a concept? I've become kind of fascinated in you know product versus services and or software versus services and how those mix together. And in the go to market, as you kind of earn your place in the sports industry, how are you at SIS approaching that balance? And I'd be curious in a fun way for your advice to Gemini on that. That's a fascinating question. I think understanding how sports organizations work is SIS's biggest strength, but is also a bit of a cautionary tale for 
trying to do too much at times because of exactly what you said. We understand better than I would hope most, if not all vendors in the space, that those ad hoc requests are extremely, extremely common and it can lead a company like ours to approach product from a trying to do too much perspective. And that's that's something that we are very, very, very cautious of and aware of here at SIS is, is trying to build our tools in a scalable way, in a modular way, but without stretching ourselves too thin and without leaving a little bit too much sort of room for error or room for use cases that our, our tools aren't really robust in in preparing for. So it's honestly a trade-off that we're, we're still figuring out because for the most part, up until the last two or three years when the company received uh, external capital investment for the first time and has since become a more tech-driven and product-driven organization, we were really just a, a data provision organization. We, we specialized in the capture and the collection of that qualitative and subjective data that we've been talking about. But we are actively and very excitingly evolving into more of a tech and product focused company. So it has has certainly started with the sort of lowest hanging fruit of presenting our data and presenting our analysis in a user friendly and actionable, insightful platform. But as we turn that platform into a little bit more of a tool that can perhaps be used for those ad hoc use cases in addition to the more consistent and scalable ones. I think that's a, it's a topic that we're going to need to be extremely, extremely aware of here at SIS. So don't have the great advice because we're kind of building the plane as we fly it here as well, but it's extremely exciting to, to be adapting as an organization in that way. It's one of many reasons I enjoy working with SIS is we both are very much in startup mode and, and we understand uh, that building of the plane as you're flying it. I think you touched on something really important there, and that's just that the more applied tools can be to the jobs that stakeholders are doing each day, the more easily they'll be able to address things like those ad hoc requests. And I think it's a really fun balance that I've touched on before. And and this is talk to your customers, talk to your partners, talk to your friends around the industry. They know what their headaches are, what their pain points are. But at the same time, you know, what do they say? Sufficiently advanced technology should feel like magic. And, and a lot of times folks don't know what they want. They know what their challenges are, but they don't know what they want. And so I think it's an excitement that we're both enjoying is trying to be always one step ahead of what the user needs. I would completely agree there. And especially within the sports industry, the knowing what our problems are, but not necessarily knowing what we want can be compounded by how transient and fleeting sports industry positions can be. I think a lot of times, and and it goes back to how special the organizations and departments throughout sports are that have continuity, have consistency, have sort of balance and understanding of their priorities and plans, is that 
when that's not necessarily the case and people feel like, well, I'll only be in this position for the next year or two years or three years maximum, it kind of limits the appetite for wanting to try new things and adapt to new processes and consider, let's say, a new vendor in the space. Uh, so I think we have a, a unique and and even more challenging job on our hands as vendors in the sports industry to create something that people don't know that they want, but when they see are compelled enough to try something new and to really want to adapt to it. Because the long story short is that because of how transient and fleeting sports positions can feel, there's not always a ton of motivation or reason to want to change processes or want to try new things. And that's uh, just another beautiful challenge of trying to work around the industry. And I think it's all the more reason to develop sustainable off-the-shelf products that can stick around as staff come and go. But man, I agree with you. I, I would love to see a correlation between longevity of staff and winning records with certain teams. Yeah, absolutely. Not just winning records, but like, yeah, you know, we feel like we have a little bit of runway to try this out. We know we have some job security and we understand our identity as an organization. Why not? Let's let's try this new thing. Let's incorporate this new process. Exactly. Is there anything else that you think folks at sports teams wanting to be more data driven should know from you today? I think the biggest message or the biggest sort of feeling that I have about the way being data driven as a sports organization is going to continue to evolve is just leaning into that challenge of incorporating quantitative data with qualitative data, slightly more subjective data, and basically challenging oneself as a sports organization or as an individual within a sports organization to really, really come up with that framework for measuring things that have felt immeasurable or have been data points that get talked about, but not quite tracked well enough. And an, an example that I feel really passionate about in basketball is player development and basically trying to challenge oneself to create a framework for how that is done, for how players improve and how progress is measured. Because, you know, for so long, it's just been okay, I think we need to work on this skill. I think we need to do this drill. I think we need to do this, this, and this. And that's how we develop our players. But there's so many different elements of data in that problem. There's the quantitative, how many shots did they make? How fast are they running? How high are they jumping? But there's the qualitative, how do they feel when they do these workouts, how similar of a situation are we putting them in in these workouts to what they're facing in games and in high performance situations that, you know, to me, a truly data driven organization is able to merge those two things and create frameworks that unlock the power of really having one side talk to the other. Sergio Santamaria, thanks for your time today. 
Thanks for having me, Jake. It's been awesome.